0: Welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. My name is John Caesar, and I feel like I haven't been here in a while. (laughs) Uh, I know uh, you wouldn't notice from the listening end, but uh, I actually haven't recorded in uh, about two weeks at this point. Um, The last two episodes I recorded two weeks ago back to back and haven't really done much recording uh, in the last two weeks. It's been kind of crazy here at Caesar Chimney. A lot of the the crazy season starting to take effect. Um, lost some employees, having shipping issues, customer issues, just, you know, you guys are all dealing with the same things. You know where I am, but it's just been crazy. So I'm trying to get back into the uh, the recording mode. So <laughs> here I go. Um, over the last two weeks, though, as I was trying to plan what to talk about for this episode, it, uh, it kind of happened for me. I started to realize that there's something that I struggle with that's kind of a, a running theme and everything that Uh, I've talked about so far in my podcast, and that is expecting, just expecting, period. Um, As a business owner, I expect a lot, right? I think we all do. If you're running a business, if you're managing people, if you're dealing with customers, like you have expectations, you want things done a certain way and you just expect a lot, but that can get you into trouble, right? I know it can for me because expecting is dangerously close to Assuming. And if you're not careful, they can actually become one and the same. So I started looking into definitions. I wanted to see exactly what the difference was. And I found out that the definition of expect is to regard someone or something as likely to happen or be. Okay. So you expect you're 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 expecting something is to happen as it should, right? Okay. Assuming is to suppose that it's just going to be the case without proof. It's just like a cavalier, yep, that's the way it's going to be. I assume that fine. And we all know what happens when you assume for those that don't makes an ass out of you and me. So remember that. (laughs) So they are, they're very similar. One is just, you're, you're expecting something to happen. And the other one is that you're just supposing something's going to happen. So they're very close. So assuming is supposing without proof. So I'm like, okay, proof, how do you get proof? And it's something I heard a long time ago. And that was to inspect for what you expect. And I was like, right, right. Okay. So that's how you do it. You expect something. You need to go back and make sure that what you expected actually happened. Cool. So that's something like quality control, right? Something like doing reviews or assessments or checklists or just any kind of general follow-up to to make sure that what you're expecting is actually what's happening. That's where I get into trouble. <laughs> so... I realized that I expect my employees to act and think like me. And that's just not realistic. <laughs> I mean, saying it out loud, it sounds really dumb. Like, I want you to be me. But we do it all the time, right? All of us have said dumb things out loud. I've seen it uh, online and in person. We've all said these dumb things. Like, if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Or I have to do everything around here. Or I can't find good help these days, right? We all say these things. What's, what are we really trying to say? When we say dumb stuff like that, it's frustrating. Obviously, we're in that position, but it's because we're expecting too much, right? We're either expecting them to be us or worse, you're expecting perfection, which is something that not even we can be. So I don't understand why you'd expect that from an employee. Uh, once again, I'm talking to myself here. This is These are things that I do on the daily and I have to catch myself and go, oh God, what am I doing? So don't do that. Don't expect them to be you and don't expect them to give you perfection because you're giving unrealistic expectations. You're setting that bar way too high and all they're going to do is fall short and frustrate. So we've all heard it said before that no one's going to care as much as the owner. That's just a fact. I mean, this is that's not a dig to an employee. That's not anything wrong. It's the truth, right? These businesses are our babies. They're our children we birthed it we breathed life into it we named it we fed it we gave up our lives for it we show it off to people you know in the beginning we had to do everything for it it's a part of us this business is usually us so we have a lot more invested in this than anybody else ever will literally and figuratively so why would we expect anybody else to care as much about it as we do that's also not realistic but if you make your employees feel like they're just a number or just a small part of it or insignificant, then that's what you're going to get out of them. So you can't do that. I've talked about that a bunch in the last few episodes is how you treat your employees makes a huge difference. Like the term helper. I've talked about it before. I don't like it. I know it's it's kind of mainstream. You know, I need a helper. Anybody got a helper? This is my helper. But just that name alone, you're implying that all they're there to do is help you. And that's the, that. there's a the ceiling on that position. You can't expect someone to sign on and be a helper forever and then you're like okay eventually you won't just be a helper i don't like the name because you're not giving them any uh just not giving them anything for it, other than you you know hey come hold my flashlight and foot my ladder (laughs) and i'm saying that as somebody that that's how i started so employees are going to return the care that you give to them that's where this all comes from and that's something that i've had to work really hard on Because if all you care about is money or profit then your employees are going to feel like tools they're just there for you to use to make them more money and nobody wants to do that forever either but if all you care about is the finished product we've got some master tradesmen very skilled artists in our trade just like any other trade that produce some amazing works of art when it comes to chimneys fireplaces stones like just it's insane but if all you care about is the finished product then your employees just feel used. They're just, you know, they were the they were there to help you get that goal as well. If all you care about is the customer, now your employee feels like the middleman. Now they're caught in the middle and, you know, if the customer's wrong and you're over here, you know, the customer's always right and it just gets messy if the if your employees know that all you're there for is the customer, just to make them happy at their expense. They're not going to give you what you want either. So if there's anything else in your company you care more about, your employees are going to feel underappreciated. That's just the truth. That's coming from what I talked about last week, that um, that's how I felt. You know, I've, I've, my previous uh, people I had worked for before, many different jobs, you know, some of them cared about money or profit first, and they let me know. They weren't as bad as the guy I talked about last week. That's was like, you need to sell more unless you, or I can't uh, afford my boat unless you sell more. It wasn't that bad, but there's still people out there like that. The finished product, the customer, I've always felt like the middleman between the owner and somebody else. So when I started my company, I wanted to make sure my employees felt valued first. It's, you know, and this, I'm talking to anybody that has a a business. I don't care if you have one employee or a hundred, it matters. So if you're just a single guy in a truck and you've got your one quote unquote helper working with you, pour into them. I mean, care about them. And I'm preaching to the choir here because I went through, I think three or four uh, employees helpers if you will when I first started and none of them really lasted because I didn't really care about them I was too busy to I had a business to run I had to grow it really that the phone wasn't ringing and I didn't have to afford materials or payroll <laughs> so I mean I had a lot on my mind I didn't have time to care about the person who was showing up I just cared if they showed up that was it if they showed up great if they didn't end of the world right so I didn't have time to care about them And it wasn't until way later I figured out how wrong that was of me. So if you let them know, your employees, let them know from day one that they are the priority and you give them responsibility, you give them opportunity, you give them a path to follow, they will impress the hell out of you. I promise. It it sounds, you know, there's people out there like, oh, this is just this new age. You need to be all touchy feely and care. No, it's really all of us. I listened to Carter Hawkins and Taylor Hill years ago talking about hiring rock stars, and they were explaining the differences between hiring millennials and hiring other people. And they're like, they want to be heard. They want to be valued. They want to be listened to. They want to be able to do something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then they finally said, this is all of us. Who, who here doesn't want to be valued or appreciated or rewarded? Or And they're right. These newer generations just care about it more than we did. Me, I put up with five years of hell at a company that was taking my money and cutting my hours and screwing me over and not providing for me. And I stayed around. I don't know why. (laughs) I say it all the time. Like, I don't know why I last in this industry. I never should have, but I did. But it's because I was willing to put up with more. I was willing to give up myself because. I don't know why. A lot of us did too. These newer generations, they, they won't. They're not going to... Uh, settle. They just won't. They're not going to stick around somewhere that's not going to value them. So why not just do it? It's the right thing to do anyway. So I have recently more than beginning, but now I have figured out that I care about my employees more than anything else. I care about the employees more than the money or the profit. I talked about that last week, how I literally hemorrhage money, paying them for time. They're not working, paying them to train, paying them to stay home. Why? Because they'll come back. They, they feel valued. They're like, wow, this guy's going to pay me when he could easily just say, hey, go home and see you in three weeks. And they don't, I, or they, they get to come back and they feel valued. The finished product, we'll get into that later. The customer, I never put the customer first, especially in this industry. The customer half the time doesn't know what we know. We're going in there talking uh, about problems they didn't know they had in places they've never seen, using words they've never heard before, using a code they've never been referenced before. Like this is a, a, it's yeah, don't put your customers first over your, unless you have to, obviously, but they feel it. Your employees will feel that if they know that they're first and foremost in your line of care. So the level, the level of care you give them, they will give their job. So if your employees don't care about their job or they don't give a full effort or they half-ass it or they whatever, the fish rots from the head every single time. I heard it said last week, uh, Mark Stoner was talking in his uh, live cast and he said, you are what you allow. Same thing. If you're allowing it, if you are preaching it or leading it or acting it or it starts with you or it doesn't or they're doing it, you just let whatever you are, what you allow. But the level of care you're showing them is what they're going to turn around and show their customers, their tools, their vehicles, their job. So take care of them. Take care of them. They take care of the job. It's that simple. It's not the other way around. The The, the employees don't care about profits. They don't. They don't care about bottom line. They should care about the finished product and they should care about the customer, but they need to know you have their back no matter what. So this comes with a trap though. And this is where it goes off the rails. So that's how I run my companies. My employees are first and foremost. I pour into them. I take care of them. But the trap, and this goes back to when I talked uh, about letting go and about growing pains, the trap is a lot of my headaches come from over-expecting from my employees. And I do it without realizing it. There's been a couple of times I did notice it and usually it was called out to me, but things like when I first started training people to go out and do jobs that I wasn't on, that's really when this first took hold and you have to fight it then or else it grows like it did with me. But I'd send them out to do a job, right? Something that I know how long it would take me to do. I've done this job hundreds maybe thousands of times I know this job inside and out so I'm like "Ooh!" and we I'd say things like this is an easy job this is this is a, a you know this is something anybody could do so let's give it to him and let's see what he can do with it great in theory right I'm trying to give that responsibility trying to give an opportunity but then I would overexpect. meaning I know I could get this job done in three hours so what do I do when I send him out I'm expecting him to be done in three hours <laughs> does that happen absolutely not I'd be sitting at the office looking at my watch and I'm like, he's still out there. What What could he possibly be doing seven, eight hours later? Are you kidding me? Now I'm starting to feel like my employees are slow or they're lazy or they're milking the clock, right? I'm starting to think these negative, awful things about them just because they didn't fit my time frame. Just because I, the owner who's been doing this since before the company was even started, could do it in three hours. They're getting it done in double and I'm looking down on them for it. That's unrealistic. Like that's terrible. Because it's not just me feeling that, but then they get back to the shop and they got pictures and they're all proud. And they're like, hey, look what we did. And this is awesome. And I'm sitting there just my arms folded like, okay, yeah, what took you so long? (laughs) I mean, it's terrible. But that's how it starts. They're not me and they're wrong for it. I overexpect. Then there's the quality of the work. So, you know, I'll give them a task, you know, like rebuild. Masonry is huge in this industry and it's such an art. I mean, it takes a really skilled hand to do really good brickwork. I will not consider myself a master mason, but I do some pretty damn good work when it comes to masonry. I like clean lines. I like straight edges. I like, I use my level more than use my drowel. Like I am almost OCD to the point that this is the perfect career for me because I just like it perfect, right? Right. I send somebody else out to do a rebuild and they bring back pictures. Maybe it was enough time. Maybe they got it done sooner or later. It doesn't matter. So we're on a whole different topic now. Now they bring back their finished product. And it doesn't look like I would build it, honestly. And I look at it. It's like your kids when they bring home art from school. They're like, look at this macaroni. And it looks like Picasso. You're like, oh, it's beautiful. Let's put it on the fridge. You have that kind of... So they bring... I'm not saying they're... (laughs) God, I'm not saying my employees build chimneys that look like that. I'm just saying it's the same idea. But they bring back a chimney and I start picking it apart. I mean, that brick isn't really square. They didn't really strike that joint. Oh, and the, oh, that that head joint's too thin and oh, their brick spacing's off on this and I start p- nitpicking it. Right? Why Is it a bad chimney? Is it not going to work? Is it not going to last? Is it not going to shed water? Is it not going to vent? No, it's going to do all those things. They did a fantastic job, given the circumstances that they're working three, four stories in the air off of a plank, right? And you can't see these things from the ground. That was one of the things that I went through when I was building chimneys is up close, I would see these glaring issues and I'd be all upset and get down on the ground and have lunch and look up and you can't even see it. I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that bad. (laughs) Because perfectionism for me was the goal for myself. Then I overexpect from my employees. I want them to have that same eye, that same care, that same quality. And they bring back these pictures of chimneys and I'm like, oh, but it's not perfect. And now I'm looking down on them again. If I want something done right, I got to go build it. I need to go out there. God, you can't find good masons these days. Bullshit. <laughs> and I do it all the time. And the same thing, I'm looking down at my employees like, oh, great, good job. I'm not going to give you a rebuild anymore because that brick wasn't just quite level. My first chimney I ever built, side note, spun. <laughs> the, it twisted. It kind of had a um, like a corkscrew effect to it. And I remember I wasn't supposed to do it. I had uh, gone out to a job and I forget what happened, but the owner decided to spend the weekend at the lake and he wasn't coming back. He's like, yeah, I'll come back later next week. So I worked for and. I was like, I'm going to build it. I'll do it. I go out there. I get my buddy. We get up on the roof. We got bricks, we got mortar. We got sunlight. We're having a good time. I'd never done it before. And I built it. And I remember when he got back from the lake and he came out and I was like, you got to come see this chimney that I made. It's amazing. And I remember I was so full of pride because it was on a hip roof at a weird peak where we really couldn't get a good footing and we couldn't get the materials up there. And it was crappy conditions, great weather, crappy conditions to work in and we did it like we did it and i remember just being so proud of that he shows up all tan from you know being on a boat and i said look what i did and he kind of i was like what And he goes it's not square I was like, what do you mean it's not square and he goes come here come here and he took me to like a corner of the driveway like a weird like a, you know take a step to the left okay take two to the right okay right here look up and i'm like okay and he goes see that and i'm like no and he goes it's twisting. And he was right. When I looked at it really, really hard from this certain point of the driveway, I could see I didn't use a level in the exact right way. And the chimney had like this weird kind of a corkscrew effect to it. It wasn't exactly straight. I was crushed. I'm like, God. I was <clears throat> I was ready to go up there, literally tear it down and start over. That's how bad it I felt from this chimney. And he's like, I guess it'll do. All right. I mean, you're still a ways away from being good enough to, you know, work in my company doing that, but I guess it'll do. And he kind of like scoffed off and I was just terrified from then on, which I take, I'm the kind of person, regardless of being a business owner or not, I take that as motivation. It's always the way I've been. If somebody tells me that I'm wrong and tells me it's not good enough, I never just hang my head and say, okay, give up. No, that means the next time it's going to be better and no one's ever going to say that to me again. And I did. That's where that perfectionism comes from in me. But then I have the balls to turn around and do that to my own employees. I mean, it's terrible. What kind of expectations is that if I'm over here fighting for perfection in my own work and remember being crushed when I wanted to be praised and I turn around and do the same thing? It's just not fair, honestly. And then there's actions. So I'll see my employees do something I would never do. And I got so many different uh, examples of this that I don't want to go off on a tangent. Just know that there's things other employees will do that I wouldn't do. Not unsafe things, just things that I couldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't do. And then I'm thinking they're wrong. I'm like, they're wrong. I wouldn't do that. I would never put the ladder there. I would never walk like this. I would never work on it from this side. I would never set my ladder, my vacuum. my I would never park there. Like just nitpicking every little thing they do because they didn't do it exactly the way that I would do it. And it's not fair either. I talked about this before that I'm six foot two, 250 pounds. I'm a big guy. I have employees that are just a hair over 5 feet, maybe like a buck 10. They can do things I can't. They can fit places I can't. They have to, you know, work in, I'm bigger. I can lift ladders better. They can't. They're smaller. They can fit in places I can't. I don't realize that. So what they're doing works for them. It's not what I would do, but it works. So that's what I, their time, their quality, their actions. I just start nitpicking the hell out of them because they're not me and they didn't do it. The way I would do it. So I started inspecting for what I expected. And what I ended up doing was just micromanaging the hell out of them because I would just show up and destroy everything. Nope. Don't hold it like that. Don't put this there. Set the tarp up over there, move the van, park it there. Okay. And I would just take over. So what I did was I created a culture of indecision. They were frozen in fear. You know, this whole, what would John do starts happening. I had an employee that went out with a new guy or the new guy was experienced and I put him out with one of the guys I had trained and he comes back and he goes, what's wrong with him? I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong with him? He goes, we get to the job and I go to put the ladder, but he's like, no, 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 no. That's not where John likes the ladder. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, Yo, John always told me to put the ladder over here. I'm like, I never told him that and I've never been to this house. So why would he think that? But that's what I bred into him. He thought, because I always put a ladder in a certain place, it's because I'm different than him. I was just more comfortable there. I liked it, whatever. It just fit me better. But from working with me, because I made him feel so less than, he thought that's always where the ladder should have gone. And the the guy that was working with him was like, but it would be better over here. And I can reach the chimney better. And the roof is more. He's like, no, no. Oh, John's going to be mad when he finds out. And I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't do that. I didn't mean to. But I built a culture of indecision. I was putting so much pressure on them by micromanaging them into being little mini versions of me that they couldn't live up to that they were just frozen. I paralyzed them. So, what we're actually dealing with here is two separate problems. My feelings towards my employees, because of the expectations that I was putting on them, I was treating them differently, looking down on them. And then my employees' feelings about the quality of their work and their job and their job security, right? Because that's fearful. If you're like, I'm not living up to the boss's standards, if I'm not doing it the way he wants it, if he's mad, I might not have a job. So now I'm putting them in jeopardy. That's terrible. So as I was writing this episode, I was trying to find the missing link between expecting and assuming, And it was just, it was like, it was right on the tip of my tongue all week. And I was like, what is, what's the missing ingredient here that makes one not the other? And (laughs) I'm kind of proud that I came up with my first Caesarism, meaning I always talk about other people's quotes and things that I've seen, books that I've read, podcasts, whatever. I'm always repeating what somebody else said, because I've taken a lot. I've taken a lot from other people. Almost everything I do is just what somebody else said. And I either took it and used it or took it and changed it and made it mine And that's why we grow. And that's why we're doing such a good job is I'm really good at learning from others. Problem is I've never had anything that I've actually said myself. So here it is. Here's the first thing. And I actually Googled this to see if it's anywhere else. If I was just repeating something I, you know, subliminally heard, it's not, it's not out there. So here it is. Write this down. Expecting without informing is just assuming. Ooh, that's, (laughs) I'm all proud of myself. But it's the truth. Expecting without informing, you're just assuming. And that's what I've been doing all this time is I would assume that they were going to get the job done in the same amount of time as me. Or I would assume it was going to look as good as mine. Or I was going to assume they do certain things. And I'm over here assuming, making a total ass out of me and them. And then when they wouldn't, I'm frustrated. I'm now looking down on them because they didn't do what I was assuming or expecting. Same thing. And then when I come over and inspect for it, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do this? Now they're feeling attacked. They're like, I can't do anything around here with this without pissing this guy off. I can't win, right? Informing, information, communication. That's the missing link here. So I got very good at inspecting for what I expected, but my expectations were so high and my employees really didn't have any idea what they were even being expected of, right? So when it comes to expectations everyone needs to have the same goal which kind of makes sense everybody usually does but what I mean is don't be too specific right and I would I would get off the rails but something like rebuild this chimney ta-da I want you to rebuild the chimney that's a goal so everybody's there fine but the route or the plan or how they do it might be different and that's okay they just need to know what the overall expectations is, the overall goal. Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, I would like this there, done. But then talk to them, talk it over with them, Help, have them help you plan. I usually, if I look at somebody's job, right? And I'm sure most of you can do this too. If I see pictures from an inspection report, if it's done well enough, I was always taught that your inspection reports, if they were right, anybody from across the country, I could send the, est- the uh, inspection report to them and they could do the estimate. That's how... Ex- that's how precise an inspection report should be. And ours are for the most part. If I can look at an inspection report, I can usually plan out the entire job. And I do. I'll look at my uh, employees' inspections and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I put the ladder there and I right, park here. And that means I could set up the mixing station there and I could eat. Okay. And I could do this and, and I'm planning it out. That's just part of who I am. When they show up and they put the ladder in a different place and they park somewhere else and they start building from a different side, I'm automatically on the defense. I'm like, whoa, whoa, why would you do that? Uh, no, that's okay though. Talk it over with them. Look at the pictures, ask them questions. And what I used to do is exactly that. Look at their inspections, be like, okay, now when you get to this house, make sure you put the ladder here. And they're like, okay, all right, Now they feel like they have to because they've been told by their boss. Now I'm like, so where would you put the ladder here? I would put it here. Why? oh, because my, my left arm hurts and I don't really want to be carrying bricks up with my left hand. So if I put it here, I can carry all the bricks up with my right hand. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Do it. Right. Something that simple. But if I didn't ask the question and I'm like, put the ladder here. Now he's like, oh crap. Now I got to hurt myself because he said so whatever. I'm making that example completely up, but that kind of thing happens all the time. Maybe they're just, they're more comfortable on a different side. Maybe they like doing it this way. Or who knows why? But ask them, where would you do that? How would you do this? What's your plan? And have them tell you. Now they're a part of the process. Even, at the, even if at the end of it, they're still going to do it the way that you wanted because theirs was actually wrong. That happens from time to time. Yeah, don't do that. That's not going to work. I've done that before. Let me tell you why. But be careful with that because they're not you. They might have a different way and you might have handicapped yourself without even knowing it and now they're going to do a better job, In sp- not in spite of you, but you know, not doing it the way that you would do it. It's okay. So the goal needs to be the same for everybody. You need to set clear expectations. I want blank done. Then talk to them about the plan. Don't hold them to too high of a standard because perfection is just not possible. Even if you're over here shooting for it, you're still falling short. Don't don't kid yourself here. None of us are perfect at this trade. So don't expect it of people that have learned from you, right? So remember that your employees, they want to impress you. They want to perform. This is their job and their livelihood as well. They want to make an impact here. They're not out here trying to screw up. Once in a while, you do have those employees, rarely. Firemen, move on. If you have somebody that's uh, that's upsetting the apple cart on purpose, that's not who I'm talking about. Most of them, 99%, they want to impress you. They want to be you. They want to perform. But if they fear failing or if they fear letting you down more than being able to ask a question, then you're going to paralyze them. I've done that. I see it all the time. Why didn't you just ask for help? I I didn't want to ask. I was I was scared. I didn't want, I wasn't sure how it was. I'm like, why would you ever be scared to ask a question? Like, I'd rather you have the information and they're like, yeah, well, I, I didn't know that I could. That's on me. Maybe I said something, acted a certain way. Maybe the first time they came to me with a question, I just had a look on my face that was judging them because I wouldn't have had that question or I wouldn't have done it that way. I don't know but I bred that culture where now they're paralyzed. They're fearful. They're like, I got to get this done. Or if I said something stupid out loud, like, why did it take you seven hours? I could have got it done in three. Now, the next time they go out, they're rushing. Now they think that it has to be done in three every time because I said it out loud. And now they're going to rush through the job to get it done in three and do a crappy version of it. And now then I'm, I'm still not pleasable because now it doesn't look as good as it should. when if they did it in seven it would have looked better right you see you see the, the 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 round and round mess that I've created over the years it comes down to what do you expect what do you honestly ask yourself what do you expect out of your employees I had to sit and think about that I'm like am I wrong I was <laughs> spoiler alert I was I was expecting too much out of them too soon. So how do I get them to my expectations and then lower my expectations? You got to meet in the middle somewhere, right? So give clear directions, but be careful. Don't over-direct them. That's micromanaging. If I say, go set up the ladder, that's a direction. If I say, go take the ladder, hold it in your left hand, put it on the front of the house with it, that's over-directing. Now they're nervous. Now, if it's not perfectly what you said, they're wrong. Go set up the ladder for me. And then walk away. I have to, honestly. I can't go to jobs anymore because I take over. This is why. So I'll say it. Go sit up the ladder and I'll leave. Explain the goal and give a time frame. But be realistic in your time frame. That's something that I don't do very often. I started doing it more in the last month when I realized what I was doing. We actually uh, just expanded our shop again over the last two weeks. One of the reasons I've been so stressed doing that in the middle of the busy season. is Not a great idea, but we did it anyway. But we took some walls down, we moved all the shelving around, and I went out there with uh, my three managers and we just killed it in a day. We were just moving left and right. But I told them the goal ahead of time. Okay, here's my goal for today. I want to have these shelves down, I to have those shelves up. I want these bolted down and I want all of the material from these shelves moved onto those by the end of today. Can we do that? They're like, yeah. Now when they attack the day, when they all split up and start doing different things, they all know what the end result is. If I just walk out there and said, hey, we're going to move the warehouse today. Come on, follow me. I've got three little ants following behind me, waiting to be told what to do, asking for help. What are we going to do now? What do you want to do now? Well, okay, what do we do next? And while I'm killing myself, I turn around and they're standing there. Now I'm frustrated again. Why aren't you moving? Why aren't you doing something? Because they don't know the plan. (laughs) They don't know the goal. I've done that so many times at jobs. I show up at some of my employees' jobs and I show up and one guy's doing all the work and three people are staring at him. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, we don't know. We, we, don't, we don't know what's next because you didn't give them the plan. They're not a part of the process. So if you tell them, hey, by the end of today, I want the chimney torn down this far. I want the scaffolding put up. I want the inside taken apart. I want the liner in and then we can call it a day. That's a goal. Now everybody knows, okay, I have to make sure X, Y, and Z is done today. Now they can go and do and not wait around to be told, hey, what's the next step? So explain the goal. Give clear directions. Don't over-direct. Give them a time frame, but be realistic with the time frame, right? I would never show up to a house with 900 brick rebuild and say, okay, we're going to get this rebuilt today. It's not going to happen. Any amount of falling short on that, you've failed and so have they and now they're stressing and rushing and don't do that. Be realistic. What could we get done today if most things worked right? In what kind of time? Also realistic in the fact that don't hold them to your calendar or your clock. Because just because you could do it in two, three hours does not mean they can. So be lenient give them a whole day in the beginning. That's what we do with our new leads. A job that should take two or three hours their first couple of weeks. I'm like, give them all day, all day. Let's see what he can do because they're paid on piece rate commission. They're not paid by the hour. So he gets paid the same, whether it's done in two or whether it's done in 10. And that's part of the plan is give them the whole day and see what happens. And sometimes you're surprised. They're done in three. I'm like, oh, shit. Let me take a look at the pictures and wow, it actually came out really good. But where does that come from? Preparation. Training. i talked about that too. You can't just assume that everybody knows what to do because they've watched you. That's impossible again. And I made that same mistake as well. I used to go, uh, liners are the, the number one thing our company does, putting stainless steel liners in chimneys. And I've done thousands of them. And I've had help, yeah, helpers. I've had assistants with me helping me do it. But I assumed that they could just do the job because they saw me do it. And I'm like, this guy's been with me for two years. I know he's done hundreds, maybe thousands of liners with me. So here, here's a liner, go do it, bye. What I didn't realize is he learned a lot from me. Sure, he saw how to set up, he saw how to prepare, he saw how to do most of the work. But there was always times that I would say, hey, go do this. And we're on separate sides of the house or even he's on the roof. I'm inside. There's times that we're apart and I'm doing prep work, right? Like connecting stovepipe. There's a certain way to do that. And those little trim rings barely fit around the snouts for these liners. They are a pain unless you do a couple little things ahead of time and then they fit like a glove, right? So who does that work? because I know how to do it. And when do I do it? When I send somebody out to go get a part or go up on the roof or go do something else. I'm like, hey, go up on the roof and go uh, shine a light down so we can make sure everything's you know good to go. He goes up on the roof and I'm not going to be sitting idle. I'll grab the crimpers. I'll grab some tools and I'll start to work and I'll make sure the prep work is done for the next step. He missed all of that. He was on the roof. He was outside. He was at the store. He was whatever. And I'm still working because I like to be efficient. What I didn't realize is he never got trained on that. He never even saw it happen. He just, and this is something I learned after the fact, he was assuming that that part just went together on its own. (laughs) So the first time I sent, and I'm thinking about a specific employee, not going to mention his name, but I sent him out. I was like, hey, here's a liner. It's super easy. Go put it in. Boom, done. I'll see you at noon. I don't know if I said that or if I was just thinking it. I know I was definitely thinking it. Sure enough, four o'clock in the afternoon comes around. And I'm like, what are you doing out there? This was the easiest job I could have given you. When I called him. He's like, I'm just struggling. I'm like, what are you struggling with? It's easy, straight shot. And there was nothing to do other than drop it. He was like, I can't get the snout to go. I can't get the trim ring to go on the snout. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, how can he not know that? That's so easy. Like you just do one, two, three, five, five, six, seven steps and you're done. And I called him. I was like, "Did you do this? No. Did you do that? No." I'm like, "Why?" And he goes, "I didn't even know we had to do that. How do you do that?" And I'm like, "Oh, because that matters. They're not going to learn by osmosis. This is what. There's a fine line between preparation and training and micromanaging. You have to make sure they understand the job before you send them out there. Don't put them out there half cocked, half trained. Don't do it because then when they can't perform to your level." You get frustrated and say dumb things like if you you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. They're underprepared. And now they're just as frustrated as you. They've seen you do this job in half the time before. They know that it's possible. If you didn't give a time frame, they're now assuming they're going to be done in the same time they usually are. And now it's four o'clock in the afternoon. It's getting dark. It's getting cold. And they're frustrated. Don't over-expect. Over-prepare and under-expect a little bit. Don't hold them to your standards. It's not going to work. And the biggest thing is allow them to come to their own conclusions. If they need you to tell them how to do every single step of the job, like I just said, that's a, a rare instance because I never actually showed anybody how to do my little tricks and tips, but allow them to figure it out. One of the best things that I heard uh, somebody say in one of the leadership talks is, what do you think? What do you think? And it's so, it's so simple. But when somebody comes to me with a question, hey, hey, John, how would you do this? And I'm like, well, what are your ideas? What do you think? And like, I, I do this a lot in my company. It's amazing how like eight, nine times out of 10, they come up with the right answer on their own. Almost every time. John, what, where would you put this? Where would you put it? I was thinking over here, that's a perfect place. Might not be the perfect place, but you know what? I didn't think about it. My idea was on the other side, but he's right here and he's right. (laughs) So ask them, what do you think? Hey, where would I put the ladder? Where would you put it? How would you get this out? Well, what are your ideas? The more you involve them and ask them, they will surprise you. And I've actually learned from them sometimes that my answer wasn't the best. I had an answer. Theirs was better. And now I get to pretend like, you know... Well, yeah, you know, I guess that could work too. And I'm writing it down. I'm like, I need to do that next time. (laughs) But ask them, what do you think? And you'll be surprised at how much they actually, well, you'll be surprised how much they know. They'll be surprised by how much they know. Happens all the time in the field. They call up with a question. Hey, I cannot remember. What is the code for clearances? And I'm like, what do you think it is? I want to say it's 18 inches. I want to say it's 18. I'm like, it's 18. Oh, good. But I, I involved them. If they just look at me as a sounding board or just the answer guy, call him and give you the answer, they're never going to learn on their own. Make them come to their own conclusions. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not. But it's teamwork at the end of the day. I get made fun of sometimes when I talk to people, when I'm in business owner groups, I'm talking to other tradesmen. When I talk about my employees, I hate the word employee, just like I hate the word helper. It's there and I say it, whatever. I use it here because I'm trying to explain to you who we're talking about. If I'm in a, a casual setting and I'm talking to you, I use coworker. And I've been called out on her a couple times. I'm like, yeah, man. Oh, I was at the shop the other My coworker said this thing, and a couple of guys are like, What? What did you say? And I'm like, You know, you know my co- He was sitting there, the coworker. Anyway, and they're like, What do you mean, coworker? Because they know I own the company. My name's on the truck, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Give me this face. And I'm like, What? He is. That's what people don't understand. If you're going to look down on and be like, that's my employee and he he needs to know that I'm the boss. They know who the boss is. They know whose name's on the truck. They know who signs their check. They know that if you treat them as less than, they're going to be less than. I treat my coworkers like exactly that because they are. (laughs) If we're on a job, it's not me against the world with him holding my hand. That's not what it is. If I go out to a job, we are hitting this thing both barrels. That's how a job should be done. Teamwork, foxhole, whatever you want to call it. I'm not out there alone, just this man on an island. And then I get, you know, a little extra hand once in a while. Absolutely not. Hey, grab a side of this. Let's hit this together. Boom. And we get it done because they're my coworkers. We're doing the same job. Why would I ever treat them any less? But people do. So anyway, I got off on a tangent. Allow them to come to their own conclusions. And then here's the big one. The big one. Allow them to fail. You have to allow them to fail. They will. They will know that ahead of time. When it comes to expectations, that's one of the big ones is I expect them to not fail. Do not do that. Give them the permission. Tell them to their face you're allowed to fail. <laughs> They'll be like, what? They don't want to. They hate that. why would you ever say that? It's a dirty four-letter F word. You're right, but you can, and it's okay and it is. If you're out there expecting them not to, you're full of crap. There's not a single person doing this job that has never made a mistake when they were the helper, assistant, low guy, new guy. Never. Not a thing. I have to remind myself of that, but I remind them as well. And I'll tell them, listen, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do in the field that we can't fix. We're talking about bricks and mortar and clay. You break a tile, we put in a liner. You break a brick, we put in a new one. There's nothing you can do out there that we can't fix. Oh, you want to break a window? You want to break siding? You want to drop a ladder on a car? I've done all those already (laughs) and I've already had to fix them. Sometimes it takes money, sometimes it takes time, but there's nothing you can do that we can't fix other than you falling off a roof. So don't do that. And then we have a safety training. But my point is, and I tell them this, there is no mistake you can make that I haven't made several times myself already That one sentence it's humbling honestly to say it, but it also makes you a real person to them. I have this problem where I forget that I'm the boss right like was I was talking about being coworkers but I have a very Michael Scott attitude when it comes to work is I want to be everybody's friend. I don't like being the boss. I hate it, actually. I don't want to do it. So I have other people be the boss and I'm still everybody's friend. I'm very Michael Scott. But there's a reason for that is I don't ever want them to look at me and be scared that I might say something or wonder what I'm going to do. That's not how I'm about. And I make it very real when I talk to my employees. There's no mistake you can make that I already haven't done. And and sometimes they call me out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You ever done this? I'm like (laughs) twice. Like you have? Yeah. And then I tell a story and they're like, wow. And it puts them at ease. If you make yourself out to be this perfectionist that never screwed anything up, you're setting, they are now going to set their own high standards because they've got to live up to this made up version of you. That's not even real. There's no such thing. It comes down to humility, really. There was a time and place that none of us could use a toilet or use a spoon right? And that yet some of people walk around like we're better than other people. There's no such thing, right? Don't act like that when it comes to work. I've dropped a ladder on a car. Had to do a liner completely for free. I've broken windows. I've broken skylights. I've broken chimneys. <laughs> I mean, I've done it. I've stepped through a roof. I put a hole in somebody's roof. Granted, it wasn't my fault. The roof was crap, but I shouldn't have stepped there and I did Tell these stories to them. Let them know because you've also informed them, hey, there's a way you can really screw this up. But good news, I've already did it. (laughs) So you're just giving them the full picture. Don't make them think that that would be the worst thing ever if they did this or did that. Tell them, hey, it's already been done. And here's why I'm telling you not to do this because you might repeat it. It's help. You're the helper, not them. They're the technician. You are helping them be a technician servant leadership i'm bouncing all over the place anyway (laughs) you guys it's it kind of hit me this week these last two weeks really as i've been trying to run the company and deal with problems and employees quitting and and dealing with you know moving the shop like i have dealt with so much this week and i've realized that if i don't clearly describe what's coming next nobody has any idea what the hell's going on it's all in my head and i got 10 different things going on at once i can barely carry on a conversation because nobody knows which way i'm going with the conversation expectations and communication is so key it doesn't matter like I said if you have one employer or a hundred or a team of managers or a board of directors it doesn't matter if you're not communicating your expectations and keeping your expectations real you're gonna be frustrated a lot and then you say a lot of dumb things <laughs> like I have so stay humble remember there was a time that you weren't the best at your craft either you were brand new you know new guy, snot-nosed, all those things. You were brand new at it and you sucked at it too. And if someone wasn't patient with us, we wouldn't be where we are. Let that sink in. The next time your employee goes out and screws something up or doesn't do the right thing or doesn't grab the right part or breaks something, remember when you did. And if somebody wasn't patient with you, you wouldn't be here. So stay humble. To sum it up, Don't expect perfection. Just don't. What you can do is prepare them as best you can. Train them, inform them, help them, guide them, prepare them as best as you can. Inform them. Go over the plan. Go over the goal. Give some directions, but then allow them to be a part of the process. Let them plan. Let them do it their own way. And when it comes to expectations, you should only expect one thing expect reality because that's what you're going to get if you expect some fantasy or expect some timeline or you expect some some version of yourself that doesn't exist you're just going to get disappointed and frustrated and you're going to look at them like they're less than when they're not they're doing the best they can especially in this trade this trade sucks i tell people all the time it does it really does You could be working from ladders and roofs and snow and heat and rain and 12 pitch and, you know, ladders and tools that are trying to kill you and dirty. It just, this job is awful. So why would you ever think they're going to do it perfect their first, second, 10th, 20th time out, They're not. Allow failure and expect reality. And just be there to catch them. You need to be a safe place for them when they do fail. If they fail, same thing as having children. This entire episode could be about having children just as much as having employees. Same thing. Allow them to fail and be the safe place when they do. If they fail and you flip out on them, they're not going to want to fail anymore. They're going to be scared of failure, which is unrealistic, and they're going to hide stuff from you. So expect reality and allow for failure and then help them when they do. Turn around. How can we learn from this? One of my favorite sayings is I never lose. Either I win or I learn. That's life. That's how I live. So that's how I treat my employees. You didn't lose. Yeah. You broke a windshield. You dented a siding. Yeah. You screwed up the job. Yeah, sure. What'd you learn from it? How are you going to do it better next time? How are we going to plan better? Like what would you have done different? If you could see this coming, what would you do different next time? You know how far that goes for an employee to have their boss go, Hey, it's all right. I did it too. Uh, what can we do better next time? How can we fix this? Is is there something I can give you? Is there a tool that you need? If you had something, how can I help you not do that again? That's the way to get a good company. It's the way to get a good culture. That's the way to get employees that care is you care about them, whether they screw up or not. So that's my time for this week. Um, Next week, I'm going to start a series Uh, I've been asked a lot by a lot of people to go over my procedures, my processes, and I figured why not just put them into a series of them. So next week will be the first episode in that series, and I'm going to start at the beginning, and I'm going to explain our hiring process. So tune in next week. We'll talk about hiring. We'll talk about processes. In the meantime, be nice. (laughs) Give your employees some, some room to breathe and help them get their job done. Tune in next week, and uh, thank you for lending me your ears. Have a great weekend.